Welcome to the Wide Teams Podcast, the podcast for geographically dispersed teams and remote workers, located on the web at wideteams.com and on Twitter at Wide Teams. This is episode 72. I'm your host, Avdi Grimm. And joining me today, I have Matt Groves. Matt, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Avdi. Matt, would you mind uh, introducing yourself a little bit? I'm Matt Groves. I work as a developer uh, full-time, and I also do a lot of community activities, such as uh, blogging screencasting, and so on, and I'm also currently in the process of writing my first book on aspect-oriented programming. Oh, very interesting. That's a topic that uh, I used to read a lot about and um, haven't read so much about uh, <laughs> in more recent days. Well, I've got a book I can recommend for you. <laughs> Terrific. Well, I, I, I'll, um, I'll ask you a bit, a bit more about the book later. Um, let's talk about your experience working remotely. Uh, you've been doing this uh, for a while now? Yeah, doing it for about two and a half years. And uh, you freelance? You with a company? I, I work full time for a company based in Dallas uh, called Telligent, and I, I live in Columbus uh, as a developer for them. And and much of their development team actually is uh, distributed remote uh, remote working developers. Okay. About how big is that team? Oh, I would estimate uh, the product team is probably twenty to thirty developers. And we have some other support developers and, of course, a lot more uh, administrative staff and sales staff and so on as well. Mm -hmm. And has your whole remote working career been with them, or did you start out um, with someone else that way? Uh, no, I actually, this is my first job ever as a uh, remote worker. I, you know, I've done some independent consulting before that you could consider remote work, but it wasn't really a full-time position. Okay. So what's it been like? Um, well, first of all, how did you get the job? Did you did you go looking specifically for a remote position? Yeah, I actually did not. Um, I had some reservations about working remotely at the beginning, and so I was a little hesitant to uh, pursue any job that was a remote worker. But um, you know, after talking to the company, uh, you know, I got the sense that remote working was just part of their uh, mission uh, to find the best people they could, no matter where they live, and uh, you know it would be it would be me and many other remote developers, and it wouldn't just be me out on my own and everybody else in one location. So mm -hmm. I felt like they had a culture that supported remote workers quite well. And the, so, has that been borne out by your experience? Uh, absolutely, I, I feel uh, just as much included as. Uh, as the employers who are employees who are on site. Hmm, terrific. So tell me about what that's like on a day to day basis. For the most part, it's just uh, me writing code in my office. Uh, you know, I work at home, so I have a couple kids. Uh, it's important for me to keep the door closed during work hours. But uh, for the most part, my interactions with other developers include uh, stand ups, uh, which are, I think at this point, they're about twice a week. And uh, that's just with my individual team. And then we have larger meetings uh, that are weekly, maybe about once a week, with the uh, product team as a whole. Or And then even sometimes we have company-wide meetings, and those are about once a quarter. And what sort of tools do you use for those meetings? 
Uh, for the smaller teams or the smaller meetings, we tend to use uh, Skype. Mm-hmm. Voice usually, or video or what? Usually just audio only. Uh, every okay. once in a while, we'll do if it's a one-on-one meeting or some pair programming, we'll do some video. Um, and then we use uh, for larger meetings, we use tools like um, I think WebEx is one mm-hmm. of them. And I think GoToMeeting even sometimes. Okay. And for for pair programming, a tool I really like, I'm sure it's been discussed on the show before, is is Join Me. Found it to be a very good screen sharing program. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very responsive and, and very quick and, and great for pair programming. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've heard that come up a few times before. And so you do some pair programming? Uh, we do. I haven't done some in a while because I'm kind of on a small team uh, mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, but Intelligent, I've definitely done some pair programming and. I found it to be a little awkward at first doing remote pairing, but uh, uh, the more you do it, uh, the easier it gets and the more used to it you get. And you did that using screen sharing software? You did it, um, did you, was there a lot of keyboard back and forth? Was that possible or, or was that, or was the latency too big for that? Um, at, at first it was kind of awkward switching back and forth. So what we tended to do was we would have one person on the keyboard for, say, the first 15 minutes or half an hour, maybe the first feature, let's say. And then uh, the other person would just sort of guide along and maybe look up some things on Stack Overflow or in documentation, etc. take care of all the task management and the various tools we use. And then uh, after that feature's over, we maybe take a break or we just switch. So then I'd take over the keyboard and the other person would do those other tasks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every once in a while, we would, uh, you know, we would give over control to the other person, uh, but the latency there is a problem, so we kind of limited that to just when it was necessary. Mm-hmm. So, what do you like about the remote working lifestyle? Well, um, I think the the biggest thing is uh, I don't have to commute anymore, uh, which which shaves off some time uh, from my um, schedule. So, what's the worst commute you you've had? The worst commute I ever had was probably an hour both mm. ways. Uh, so that's, you know, um, two hours of my day I get back. Mm-hmm. I can either spend sleeping, which I often do, or I can spend, uh, you know, with my family. Right. Right. It always seems like it's even more than, more than that, doesn't it? Because there's like that recovery period from the commute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes. Uh, one thing that is kind of a downside is that I don't get to listen to as many podcasts anymore. <laughs> That's what I'm everyone not, says. Not in my car as much. <laughs> this is the this is the podcast for people that don't listen to podcasts anymore. <laughs> yeah. What have been the biggest challenges transitioning to a, a remote working lifestyle? Uh, I think the biggest challenge, and this was sort of my biggest concern going in, is that I didn't know how I would be able to handle essentially being on my own most of the day. Uh, I didn't know if I could, uh, you know, trust myself to be as disciplined and, and as, uh, and, and manage my time as well. But, you know, being in a company like Telligent, which is sort of, uh, fostered this great remote working community, I think that they, uh, put a great deal of trust in me and uh, helped guide me along the way. And so that's sort of become, uh, not as much of a concern as when I started. Mm. Are there any particular Ways that you that you can identify that they you know try to foster that distributed community. Well, one one of the things that they try to do is is they get us in 
to the office uh, once or twice a year, mm-hmm. so we can all meet each other in person. So you know we have a we have a face to put to the voice that we hear every day, and we can you know start to interact with each other and and maybe get a better idea of another person's personality that may not might not come through through Skype or through instant messenger. Right. So we have something that we can anchor uh, that person that person to some experience we can anchor to. Mm-hmm. Of course, with uh, another thing I do is is that. You know, because their development team is so distributed that they have to make an effort to include us on uh, company-wide meetings and uh, and just you know keeping us in the loop with everything. Mm-hmm. And and it also helps that the product we make, uh, the intelligent makes, is a community community uh, software. Oh, is it so okay? To you know, so we have to use our own tools, essentially dog food, our own tools, so that we can better collaborate and communicate with each other. So. As remote workers, we're dependent on those tools, so we want to keep making them better. And mm-hmm. so it's just sort of a feedback loop there. As so, you're you're eating your own dog food, as they say. Exactly, exactly. As we as we find pain points, we can actually fix them in our mm-hmm. own product and and keep iterating on that. Mm-hmm. Are there any areas where you've you've thought, man, it would sure would be nice for distributed teams if there was a tool to do X? <laughs> uh, you know, I I think that. There is, uh, I don't think there's a, a, a gaping hole in mm-hmm. any, any missing functionality there, but I think that there is some room for improvement when it comes to like project management and task management tools. Just, just to have them, you know, provide better communication to take into account that people aren't necessarily going to be in the same building or the same room all the time. Uh, you know, sometimes it seems like we're communicating through a very narrow sort of definition of user story. And, uh, you know, someone may leave a, a short comment mm-hmm. on that, on that story. And that doesn't really convey the entire message. Uh, doesn't convey the, the history of that, the context of that particular user story. So right. I think there can be some improvement in that, in that area. Do you have any kind of picture in your head of what that might look like? You know, uh, I, I think something that would maybe, cause, cause I, Again, I'm a developer, so I think in terms of like uh, my commits to source control. Mm-hmm. But if I could see some sort of history in the same way that I can see, you know, a Git history or a subversion history, mm-hmm. uh, something like that, so just to see in a in a you know in a single glance what has changed recently, or or when this comment was added, what what other activities took place on this work item? Mm-hmm. Like if you could see the somehow see the meeting or transcript of the meeting or something that led to that change being made or something like that. Yeah, I think that would be a good idea to integrate sort of all the activities that go around the user story and and Mm -hmm. other than just the text that's in there, what else is taking place that involves them? Right. I can see that. Definitely. Right. All right. Somebody out there, get on that. (laughs) Or maybe you'll do it in uh, intelligence software. (laughs) Yeah. It's, let's see. So what else can we say about working remotely? Do you feel like you're going to keep at it? Uh, or do you think that you could potentially work in an office again? Again, when I was, when I first started, I had reservations and I was, mm-hmm. I was absolutely prepared to say, okay, I, I, this is not for me. I'll, I'll go back to doing what I was doing before. After two and a half years though, uh, I can definitely say if I were to seek out another position, it would have to be remote. Uh, mm-hmm. Would be my first choice. 
In, in fact, uh, one time I was staying with a friend in Michigan. I was going to speak at a user group there. And he lived about an hour from the office where we were going to work. And so I had to actually get up and experience a full hour commute mm-hmm. for the first time in over a year and a half. And it was absolutely dreadful. And I was, <laughs> I, I'm just, I was just so thankful at that point that I was, I've been working remotely all this time. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And someone out there is, is listening to this in their car and who hasn't made the transition yet and nodding along. <laughs> what is your schedule like? Do you work a, you know, like a fixed eight hours to synchronize with other folks or do you, is it more flexible than that? Uh, you know, I try to work normal business hours. Um, our main office is based in Dallas, which is central time and I'm in Eastern time. So it's not much of a shift, but there is some, uh, you know, some, considerations to be made at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. So I may have to stay longer in some cases because um, they're trying to finish up something before they leave the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, very people have different meeting schedules, so lunch can be an issue as well because there's that hour shift between my lunchtime and their lunchtime. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to make accommodations for those time zone shifts. And so a meeting, a stand-up meeting might be scheduled during, uh, you know, during lunchtime. And so I'm thinking the whole stand-up, you know, what am I going to have for lunch? And that might be a little bit distracting. Mm-hmm. Um, or make it hard for me to go to lunch with, you know, friends and, and developers who, who are local to me. Right. So it's, it's, but it's something to consider. You have to consider other people's time zones and schedules as well. So it's take that all into account when you're, when you're doing scheduling and, and planning. Mm-hmm. You mentioned getting to spend more time with your kids. Are, are there any other sort of extracurricular things that you're able to do as a result of uh, working from home or do more of? I, I can't think of, I, you know, I guess ha- having lunch with my, with my wife or, or she can, she can make a nice lunch, you know, instead of having go to a fast food place for lunch right. or some mm-hmm. restaurants. That's, that's nice sometimes. And, and again, the, when you're working somewhere and you're, you're going to lunch, it's, you know, 10, 15 minutes to the restaurant, 10, 15 minutes back. And before you know it, you're cutting into your work time or, or you have to rush and hurry up and eat your lunch. Right. So there's again, that sort of benefit of, of that. Uh, it's not the same as commuting, but it's a benefit of instead of driving to a restaurant, I just walk upstairs. That reminds you know? me, I really need to make a lunch date with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's divert a bit and talk briefly about your book because I'm just curious. Uh, so okay. you're writing a book on ad- aspect-oriented programming. I am. Aspect-oriented programming and .NET. Oh, okay. And is that going to be with a publisher or are you self-publishing? How are you doing that? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's with Manning. I had okay. I originally considered self-publishing, but, uh, at the last minute Manning said that they would, uh, love to do it. So I'm working with them. Is, is that, uh, I guess it's a topic that's near and dear to your heart? Definitely. Something I'm very passionate about. Something that's uh, benefited me a lot in uh, previous work and, and my current work. And without diverting too far, because because this isn't actually a programming podcast, but I know it's probably mostly developers that listen to it. So very briefly, if somebody doesn't know, what is aspect-oriented programming? Aspect-oriented programming is simply an approach to what's called cross-cutting concerns. So they're things that repeat themselves a lot uh, throughout your code base so that they sort of... Uh, Basic example is logging code. So when you log something, you have to repeatedly uh, put that same bit of 
boilerplate code over and over again. Mm -hmm. And when you write it a logging aspect, you can just write it once and then apply it uh, to all those different places. So it, it cross cuts throughout your code. Cool. Cool. So uh, when will, do you know when this book will be out? Uh, we don't have a firm publishing date yet, but I'm going to say uh, probably early summer. Do you know what it'll be called? It'll be called Aspect Oriented Programming in .NET. There may be a, a subtitle to it as well, but that's the main title of it. Awesome. All right, well, before I let you go, where can people find out more about you online? Uh, you can check out my Twitter, which is mgroves, M-G-R-O-V-E-S. Okay. Uh, you said you had a blog, too? I have a couple blogs, but you can get them all uh, via my Twitter. But uh, okay. I guess the main one I like to plug would be uh, crosscuttingconcerns.com, which okay. is my blog about AOP. Very cool. Well, Matt, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Make sure and make that a lunch date with your wife. I will. And that is our show for today. Hope you've enjoyed it. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. Go to yteams.com. You can also find the show in the iTunes Music Store. The Y-Teams podcast is distributed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. Our music is by Giles Boquette. Until next week, this is Avdi Grimm, signing off. Wild, 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 wild,